This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for September 4th, 2020. Apple's iOS update includes COVID tracking, an ad touts the company's privacy tools, security researchers found vulnerabilities in Gmail and Safari, and Apple notarizes Mac malware. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well, Kirk. How are you? I'm good. Have you updated your iPhone yet? I'm going to lie and say that I have because I know I should have by now. (laughs) Well, no, you shouldn't. Why? Because wasn't it in our last episode, we were saying you shouldn't necessarily apply the updates as soon as they come out, but you should wait and see um, what might happen because of that issue with Lightroom on iOS where people lost all their photos. But this is, I'm talking about iOS 13.7 that came out two days ago. So you've had almost 48 hours. Yeah, there's uh, some interesting stuff in here. Of course, as usual, they've uh, patched some security vulnerabilities that uh, that's always to be expected in any iOS update. One of the other things that's kind of interesting is that they finally released uh, the exposure notification feature, which we've also, uh, I think at one point was being referred to as contact tracing. In the settings app on the iPhone, this isn't available on iPad, go to exposure notifications, tap turn on exposure notifications. You'll see some information about how it works. And if you're security conscious, you should read this to know that it's randomized and there's no personal information. Tap continue and select your country or region. So country or state or wherever. It's not available for you in California yet. Uh, According to Apple, Maryland, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. will be using this soon. More states in the future. I don't know about other countries. Um, I know that the U.K. wanted to make their own app and they spent millions of pounds on it and it didn't work. So hopefully we're going to get something like that here. And the idea behind this, uh, as we've mentioned before, is that um, it's using uh, some semi-anonymized information about your location, and it's able to use Bluetooth to sort of communicate with uh, other people around you and identify whether you've been around somebody else who's reporting that they have COVID-19. Or, or potentially other diseases in the future. You know, there's some interesting issues going on here. Um, in the UK, they're worried about the flu season in the winter. Um, they're thinking that if COVID and the flu, the seasonal flu, happen at the same time, this could be very bad for the healthcare system. But what they're seeing in the Southern Hemisphere, so Australia, New Zealand, is that there's hardly any flu this year because people are wearing masks. Hmm. And it, it makes you think that so many people die of the seasonal flu every year if we have systems to prevent the seasonal flu, not everyone's going to want to wear masks all winter. But if this system could also apply to seasonal flu, um, then that might save lives in the future. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So many things that we're learning through this pandemic. So many things that I didn't want to learn. Um, so <laughs> yeah. many articles I've read about epidemiology, which I admit is very interesting, but it's not among the, it's not in my bucket list or it never used to be. Anyway, we've got a new ad from Apple. We never talk about Apple ads um, because I consider that they're ads, but Apple has a new clever ad about privacy and the iPhone. 
It's about one minute long, and there are a number of people talking about things. And the idea is that if you're just talking out loud and sharing personal information, how is that different from the personal information that you enter on your phone that might be picked up by trackers and websites, et cetera? Yeah, there's some kind of uh, funny things as we were watching this uh, ad a few times through, we we're trying to parse some of the things that people are shouting out to the world in uh, in here. And some of them are, are you can see the, the obvious places where iOS is protecting you from some of these things. Like, for example, um, people are talking about their purchase history. They're talking about uh, things that they've searched for on search engines um, and uh, you know, there's obviously tracker blockers that Apple wants you to use that are built into Safari. So if you're using the Safari browser on iOS, then it's going to protect you from some of those kind of things, theoretically. This ad is really leading up to macOS Big Sur and iOS 14 because there's a much more robust tracker blocker built in there. So I think they're just laying the groundwork for what we might know about next week, by the way. Um, we might get some dates. Um, I, I think it's a clever ad. So there's a guy on a bus. He's saying that he's browsed eight websites for divorce attorneys that day. Obviously, you would never say that out loud. But if you're browsing, your web browser is going to keep this history and trackers can know where you've been. So the next time you go to Amazon, you're going to maybe get an ad for a book about, you know, be your own divorce attorney or something. Um, the woman at a dinner table saying, that, yes, at March 15 at 9.16 a.m., I purchased prenatal vitamins, vitamins and four pregnancy tests. Uh-huh. And obviously the people sitting with her were a bit surprised to hear that. <laughs> and then there's the woman who's reading her credit card out loud. Now, we were discussing before, okay, the, the browser history, the purchase history, that makes sense. But why the credit card? And you came up with the answer. Yeah, Apple Pay. Apple wants you to use Apple yep. Pay. Sure, that makes sense. Yep. And then uh, there's one other part too, where there uh, there's t- these two people working in an office are having this conversation with each other loudly among all their other employees in the background, and uh, and somebody's you know commenting, yeah, well, I don't really like that one guy, and he turns around and looks, um, and I'm going like, okay, well, what does this have to do? Okay, iMessage. That's got to be what they're saying. Well, if you're using iMessage, then that's you know more secure than just using SMS, which um, you know is not. Uh, quite as well um, encrypted and and it's more vulnerable than iMessage is. Or beyond that, uh, there was a, a vulnerability in Zoom a while back where private chats would be visible to administrators after uh, Zoom meetings were over. So uh, not that FaceTime can really replace Zoom because it works very differently, but I think Apple's just showing the kinds of examples where you don't want people to know about this stuff. And I think it's quite clever. So there's an article I spotted a few days ago, web browsing histories are private personal data. Now what? And it's from someone who did some research about 10 years ago, um, looking at web browsing history, uh, pointing out that, yes, web browsing history is unique. If you look at someone's web browsing history, and, and we're not talking about what's called a browser fingerprint that we've discussed in the past, maybe your operating system, the size of your display and, and that kind of information, but the actual history of the websites that you visited, they're pointing out the research that they did about 10 years ago and highlighting some recent research from Mozilla that was presented at the Proceedings of the 16th Symposium on Usable Privacy and Security. The point is that web browsing history is incredibly personal. Um, I'm going to just look at my web browsing history yesterday. Well, let's see. I was looking at some Apple support. I was looking at some information on VAT in the UK. 
Um, I was looking up a photo editing app and more and more and more. Well, that's, you know, that's not everything I was looking at, but it's true that your web browsing history has a lot of stuff about maybe you've looked up symptoms you've had for an illness. Maybe you've looked up certain kinds of foods that you want to buy that not everyone eats. And, you know, there's an awful lot in your web browser that's very personal. Right. And the more that you're using your web browser, uh, the more unique your browsing history is going to be. And uh, it's not really a surprise to me that everybody's browsing history is going to be very, very unique. Um, Because if you think about it, you know, there's there's probably hardly anybody else in the world who happens to be researching the same topics that you are. Oh, and then goes on the same tangents that you did because, oh, there was some interesting other article on that site. Oh, I want to check that out too. Oh, and while I'm here, oh, let me just check this over here. And you, you sometimes, um, especially if you're the kind of person who can get easily distracted and go down a rabbit hole when you're web browsing, uh, you might end up in a very different place than when you started and when so- where somebody else may end up if they're even starting out in the same place. This reminds me of a story of a few years ago. Someone, now I don't know how, I think his computer got stolen or he sold the computer and his web browsing history was still on the computer. And well, the police went with weapons to arrest this guy because the web browsing history had things about how to kill people and how to cut up bodies and hide them and all that. Turned out he was a screenwriter. Um, This was in Los Angeles and he was Hmm. looking up stuff for an episode of a TV show or something. Uh, obviously, that's that's a, a very specific use case for that sort of web browsing history. But <laughs> think about when you sell, give away a computer, you know, if you haven't deleted all that stuff, there's a lot of information about you. So tip of the week, we're going to start doing tip of the week, I think. You can clear your web browsing history in Safari. Uh, obviously, every web browser does this. But I only noticed this this morning, just coincidentally, if you go to history clear history, and you can do this as well uh, on the Mac and on iOS, you can clear your web browsing history for the last hour, for today, for today and yesterday, and all your history. Now, you may not want to keep all your history forever. You may not want to keep what you were looking at today. Um, Maybe you're on a shared computer with someone, and you might want to think of doing that. Yeah, this is a great tip. Um, and, and as you mentioned, a lot of browsers do this. And th- the way that you activate this on S- a Safari on iOS, can you explain how how exactly you activate this? Because it's a little bit different than on the Mac. So in Safari on iOS, you tap the the history button on the bottom. Looks like the pages of a book that are open. So you tap that. That's your history. At the bottom right, you have a button that says clear, and then you have a dialogue that displays with those four options, the last hour, today, today, and yesterday, and all time. Yeah, and I know there are some other other um, browsers on iOS that behave similarly. They may, there may be like a tap and hold on a tab or or different things like that, depending on what browser you're using. But, um, but this is a great tip. One of the scenarios where I have used something like this before is when, uh, let's say I intended to open a tab in a private browsing window and I realized, oh shoot, I just opened that in a regular browsing tab. Um, well that's okay because I can just go back and clear the history from the past hour, for example, and then I can reopen that tab in, in a private browsing window if I want to do that. Okay. Um, last story for the first part. And and I like this. You and I, we both have ring doorbells and ring doorbells have cameras in them and an article on the intercept, uh, doorbell cameras like ring give early warning of police searches. FBI warned. 
Now, think about it. If the bad guys have cameras that are pointing out to the street, when the SWAT team pulls up, someone's going to see it. And I'm just picturing, you know, a whole street with ring cameras, you know, some organized crime syndicate. They've got ring cameras on all the houses down the street. Someone watching um, like David Bowie and the man who fell to earth with all those screens and keeping their eyes on it and getting advance notification when the police come. You know, <laughs> there are cameras everywhere, right? I mean, it, it sort of makes sense that people want to see what's going on in front of their house. You were describing a scenario where uh, if if you've got a crime syndicate and they, they happen to own all the houses on the block, for example, they, they could actually even have them all tied to the same ring account or whatever service they might be using uh, so they can instantly get notified uh, anytime anybody's anywhere near their location. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I, I, I have a hard time imagining that this is, uh, really as big of an issue as they sort of make this sound like it is, but, uh, it's, it's interesting nevertheless. I mean, there, there are cameras everywhere. It's, it's just a reality now. Yes, but Josh, you have a hard time imagining. That's what people said when cyberpunk novels first <laughs> came out. And now look at 2020, look where we are. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got some interesting news about Apple authorizing Mac malware. You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac either in boot camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today, and when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount. Don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, we've got two stories that are related and that are about uh, security researchers finding vulnerabilities in software. One of them was a Gmail vulnerability. The other was something to do with Safari. And the actual vulnerabilities aren't that important. But what's interesting is the timelines of when the security researchers discovered this, reported it to the, the companies, Google and Apple, and then what happened. Right. Yeah. The, the first one uh, was a, a Google, as you mentioned, Gmail vulnerability. And basically the, the real simplified issue is that people were able to pretend to be somebody that they were not. Um, the from address could be spoofed, meaning that they could pretend uh, to be sending email from another company um, and Google wouldn't flag this as a problem. So if you logged into your Gmail account and you got email from the sender, it would appear to be from that actual sender, the one that they're pretending to be. The Apple vulnerability uh, was was quite a bit different. Uh, and th this is much more complicated, but basically um, there was an issue with uh, Safari web sharing application programming interface. 
Um, and, and this was a, another issue and, and it, by the way, is still something that, uh, that is a problem on, um, both Mac OS and iOS not fixed yet by Apple. The response that both of these researchers got from the companies, the whole timeline of the researcher going to the company, um, through when they finally disclose the vulnerability after basically finding out from the company, Google or Apple, that the fix wasn't going to be published when they said that it was going to be. Um, then the researcher said, okay, well, then I feel like I have a responsibility to notify people because people may already know about this. Uh, in the- and, and this is the way it generally works in the security community. The researchers contact the companies, and if the companies don't respond within a certain amount of time, it could be 30 days or 90 days, then they go public because they feel that they're responsible for letting people know. Also, they're doing this work for free. Uh, they may be doing it in the hopes of getting a bug bounty, but they're spending their time in doing this work. And both of these cases, the people are very frustrated that these two big companies pretty much ignored them. Right. And and so um, in the case of the Google issue, um, the researcher, uh, who, by the way, is a student at UC Berkeley, um, said that uh, they initially reported this uh, at the beginning of April very similar to the timeline on the Apple uh, bug that was reported. And uh, Google then uh, it marked this, this issue as a duplicate. Now that's really interesting because that means that probably somebody else had reported the same vulnerability and Google had been sitting on it already. Uh, and, and yet all this time passes. And finally in August, um, th- this researcher had, had been talking with Google um, Google said, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll probably get this issue fixed by the time you want to uh, to publish your, your information. And then uh, they changed their mind at the last minute and said, yeah, we're not going to get to fixing this until next month. And the researcher's like, but you told me I could already publish this. And so two, the, the researcher let another two days go by, then publish the details. And interestingly, Google fixed it within seven hours, or technically they worked around it. They, they patched this in, in uh, not a complete fix, but it was enough that nobody could do this exact thing anymore. Um, in the Apple case... What's uh, what's interesting here is that Apple actually said, oh, yeah, um, we're actually going to publish this in spring 2021. That's when we're finally going to fix this vulnerability. Spring 2021. Are you kidding me? You're going to wait that long? That's like an entire year after this vulnerability when it was, was first reported. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, this is a an actual issue that people may already be using. No, this is not. Right. You can't wait that long before fixing a vulnerability. For goodness sakes, Apple, you have more money than any other company in the universe. Like, <laughs> find some way to get somebody to fix this. Okay, so the, the biggest story we have this week is that Apple authorized some Mac malware. Now, we need to explain some stuff here. Um, all the news stories were saying that Apple approved Mac malware, and, and that word approved kind of bothered me because it made me think of the Mac App Store. And it's not the case. This is not malware that was available on the Mac App Store. This is malware that is distributed um, that goes through a process that Apple calls notarization. Now, notarization is essentially a developer sends their file to Apple. They send information about their developer account, their certificate. They provide a certain file to sign the code, a thing called code signing. 
Apple gets the file, sends it back pretty quickly. And what this means is that if you have notarized software, that when a user double clicks this, they're not going to get that scary dialogue that says, oh, you don't want to open this because it could contain malware. Right, exactly. And that that's kind of the thing is uh, most, you know, your, your sort of generic Mac malware is typically like a fake flash player installer or something like that. Yeah, but this one is too. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. what's really funny. <laughs> so so what happens here is is that uh normally you'll see something like the disk image will get mounted uh you know after you download this, you know, you you go to a website, you expect to see um whatever it is that you're browsing for and instead you get um a full screen uh, page that says your flash player is out of date. Click here to download and, uh, and update your flash player. And you go, oh, okay, great. Flash player is out of date again. Th- th- that's what they're hoping <laughs> will happen. Hopefully, um, if you're a listener to this show, you know that flash player is dead essentially because Adobe's not updating it past December this year. And basically it, you're, you don't need flash player anymore. So you should not Anytime you see something like this, just assume that it's a scam because 99% of the time it's totally a scam. Okay. So, so what, uh, what typically will happen is you, you download this disc image and then it mounts on your computer. Now you've got a, a new window that pops up and it tells you, it actually instructs you to right click, um, or in other words, control click on this and, and open it because that makes the dialog box that appears a little different and it gives you the option to open it. Um, whereas normally if you just double clicked on some malware, that's not signed and not notarized, then uh, you know, it, it will just block it and it won't give you the option to open it if you double click. So what's funny here is it is yet another fake flash player, um, but also that Apple's notarization process claims it's automated. It's not people looking at the software, but it claims to detect malicious software. And they slipped up here. Um, this is malware that we've seen in the past, and Apple should know about this just like every other security company is able to find this malware when it gets on a computer. Right. Yeah. It turns out. So what, what happens here is this is a, uh, just the latest variant of Schleyer malware, uh, Intego first discovered Schleyer in 2018. And there've been many variants since then there, most of them are, are pretty minor changes from one version to the next. Um, and, and just in case anyone is wondering, you know, does notarization really like, does Apple say that they're actually checking for malware? Uh, when they when they notarize a file that a developer submits to them. Um, this is a direct quote from Apple's developer site. They say, notarization gives users more confidence that the developer ID signed software you distribute has been checked by Apple for malicious components. Um, and, and they say the Apple notary service is an automated system that scans your software for malicious content, checks for code signing issues and returns the results to you quickly. So, um, it's an automated process, but they say multiple times, this is checking for malicious content or malicious components. Um, so that is part, at least part of the intent of the Apple notarization process. Um, and yet, um, there, <laughs> it wasn't just one piece of Mac malware that got notarized. In my research, I found that there were probably at least 42 
different um, pieces of Mac malware that were notarized by Apple. They were signed with an Apple ID developer certificate and uh, and notarized by Apple, meaning they they went through this automated process. They weren't identified to have malware, and then the developer uh, got the notarized uh, file and was able to distribute it. Um, but this is Slayer malware. This is like really obvious, like not very significantly different from other uh, run of the mill adware, and yet somehow it got notarized by Apple. How did this happen? We don't know. Um, we don't, cause we, we don't really know the backend process. What, what exactly is Apple doing to determine whether there are malicious components? Well, they clearly slipped up here, not just once, but many times and with multiple developer certificates, by the way. Okay. We're very careful not to do a hard sell on this podcast for Intego's products, but this is really, um, a very good reason to be using Intego virus barrier because if Apple is supposed to check this software for malware, Again, rudimentary check, and they're not going to get, you know, zero-day things. But if they're slipping up on malware that is, what, more than two years old, then this, what, what's the point of this whole process, this notarization process? See, that's the kind of thing. When you've got a process like this, it either has to work all the time or you can't trust it. If once or 42 times software gets through that's dangerous, you can't trust the process anymore. Yeah, this is another example of uh, Apple's built-in processes, which everybody, you know, if if you go on uh, a forum or you read comments on on a lot of uh, articles on, you know, wherever it is, Mac rumors or other places, you have a lot of these like really diehard Apple fans who, uh, you know, fanboys, (laughs) we might call them, who are like so passionate about, you know, Apple is the best and Apple knows everything. They protect you in every way. And there are a lot of people who still believe the hype from many years ago, you know, that Apple was publishing themselves about how you can't get PC viruses on Macs. And a lot of people still have this in their heads that Macs are safe and, oh, and they've heard about X-Protect maybe. And so they say, oh, X-Protect, no, Apple's protecting you. Oh, you get something from that's notarized, or you get something from the Mac App Store. You you know that that's safe, but the thing is, um, you should still have some degree of skepticism, a little bit of caution, and don't assume that Apple's always going to catch everything because they really don't. Now, of course, as I said earlier, this is automated, unlike the Mac App Store, where part of the review is automated and part of it is actual human beings. Right. Um, We don't know exactly how it works. I know a number of developers, sometimes it takes weeks to get uh, an application approved on the Mac App Store. Sometimes they'll submit an update and they'll get it approved in a couple of hours. So it could be that they're checking and they see there aren't many differences. It's trusted developer, et cetera. But there is still a different type of approval process on the Mac App Store that should go a bit further. True. Yeah. And nevertheless, um, we have seen issues with both the Mac OS and iOS app stores in the past where something has slipped through that wasn't supposed to have slipped through. Um, and, uh, so we still recommend exercising caution, even if it is in the app store, because even though it's going through that extra layer of human approval, um, that you don't get through just the simple notarization process. Um, it's still possible for humans to make mistakes too, or to not thoroughly vet something uh, and and miss, you know, some bit of malware or something, maybe not exactly malware, but in other cases, uh, something where the developer clearly was intending to violate Apple's rules and and got away with it. 
Hmm, that sounds like a case that's been in the news recently, but we won't go into that one. <laughs> um, next week, we should probably have a better idea about new Apple products and operating systems. All the rumors suggest that I think it's like the 8th or the 9th. Um, Apple's probably going to have an event. Of course, we're Thursday the 3rd when we're recording this. You'd expect them to be inviting journalists by maybe Friday. The latest rumors suggest that the Apple Watch is going to be delayed to October along with the iPhone. Um, In that case, I'm still thinking that we're going to get macOS Big Sur earlier than we're going to get iOS 14. Well, hopefully we'll find that out next week. I I don't know. Um, It's definitely the case that uh, it could come as soon as uh, late September, because very often macOS updates do come out in late September. So that's kind of what I'm anticipating at this point. But we'll see. Okay, well, until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.